Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another episode of 911 Delta, Tethered for Life. This podcast may not be suitable to all listeners due to language and subject matters. Please listen with care. We're discussing issues with mental health this week. So if you have any questions or concerns, if you think that you need to get some help, get some help, find a doctor or a counselor that can help you. We are not any of those things. We are just trying to get the word out and make this a mainstream talk aboutable issue. We really want you all to live the best lives that you possibly can. So take care of yourself, put your own oxygen mask on first. Hey y'all, welcome to episode three of 911 Delta Tethered for Life. I'm Anna. And I'm Casey, and y'all, we're super excited that on today's episode, we have our first guest. Hey, guys, I'm Emily. I cannot believe we have done this three whole times now. Case, I know it's Emily's first time, but three whole times. Yes. It's our third episode, and we have an amazing audience that keeps growing. So keep sharing us, y'all. Uh, we've had yes. 150 plays, last I checked, on Spotify um, with 38 listeners. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what they say? Third time's the charm. Um, and the topic and name of today's episode is who said the Q word in my head? Um, and for those of you in public safety, know the quiet word always means the opposite. So what is going on in our brains, especially when we're not at work? Uh, uh, usually in my brain, it's like 8 million and one things <laughs> about kids. And then, <clears throat> oh shit, I forgot to do that. Yeah. <laughs> in, in my brain, we'd need a, a hell of a lot more than a podcast to dive into that. <laughs> more than we need, like, I don't know. What was that? What's that Dixie Chick song? You know, we need like 23 podcasts at least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with y'all. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay, All right. So well, it, is that the dispatcher condition or did we condition ourselves to be that way because of that? I don't know. I think it's a little of both. Um, I don't know. Now that I've hung up my headset, I, I don't, my head's kind of is really quiet. Like not the opposite. It, so I'm. Um, simmering down some so i like it <laughs> yeah i think oh, the right. i think the conditioning <laughs> definitely yeah yeah i'm well i haven't totally hung up my headset yet and i'm not i'm not simmering down yet i wish i could simmer down but we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that um <laughs> well before we get into some of this deep shit y'all um anna how was your week oh it was halloween week Yes, you so, worked on full moon. So how was that? I did surprisingly not too bad. Now awesome. I did leave at one o'clock. So okay. if anything, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. We actually had a stabbing and somebody get or no shooting and somebody getting beaten over the head at the same time in two different places in the county, okay. of course. Um after midnight. And then what happened after one? I don't know. I was like, let the force be with y'all. But yep. um <clears throat> Otherwise, it was pretty keyword. But then, of course, trying to get children and their costumes to be exactly how they want them to be, especially when they change their mind every day, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it was. <laughs> it was hard for uh, me to get Maxwell in his costume. <clears throat> oh my goodness! He, he fought me. Fought me every step of the way. Lost <laughs> five pounds. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> what was he for Halloween? He was a spider. He uh, oh, nice. was an obnoxious spider. Nice. Yeah, I sent that to some people who don't like spiders. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Like, just you just go into their houses and just, like, shoot them through the door? He, he, came, he came at the door when we had the little trick-or-treaters coming by. He was not messing around. Oh, I do wow. have a, ch- a Chucky costume for him, too. He has, like, Ooh. a little knife. Yeah, that, that's yes. a good one, too. We went, I took my kids to uh, my grandma's nursing home and there was somebody there with probably like a three-year-old in the Chucky outfit. They had the little (laughs) freckles on this kid's face. He had a little knife. Hilarious. That's cute. (laughs) Yes. That's cute. It was pretty hilarious. I do miss those days. And you were a glutton for punishment working on Halloween, huh? Well, I didn't work on Halloween. I worked on Saturday, which was the full moon. Oh, that's even worse. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, you know, luckily, it's so funny, though. I feel like the full moon, the full moon is is busy with dumb shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people are crazy. But the new moon, I feel like, is when, like, the big crazies happens. Like, it was all just, you know, uh, people off their rockers. You know, I mean, I had some lady, she was hollering and the lady across the street was hollering at her because she, the lady on the phone claims that the lady across the street blows her leaves all the way across the road <laughs> into her yard. Mm. They mow, And when they mow their grass, it goes all the way across the road into their yard. First world problems, man. And did Jeez. that bitch call 911 for that? Oh, you know she did. <laughs> of course she did. Oh, you know she did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a reason to call 911, people. Mm. Definitely not. Your landscaping woes is, is not it. Definitely not. H- HOA. HOA. And, and they should have learned that in episode one because we've been mm. through this. Right. And on top of that, (laughs) like, first of all, I mean, it's really, I mean, you, there's way more important things that you can be worried about. Right. And second of all, if somebody like accidentally does some landscaping on your land, I mean, I got a flower bed. Somebody come clean out if they want to, Uh, you know, come on. It's not that big a deal. But Definitely anyway. not. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my craziness. I was glutton for punishment. I did not check the calendar before um, I took pity on because <laughs> they needed help. <laughs> Lesson learned, but I didn't check the calendar. Um, but it wasn't too bad. And, oh, the worst part, let me tell you, was getting into the office because they had shut down both roads mm. that lead to the back for the trunk or treat. Oh, and then geez. they had little, some little new dude at the intersection. He probably, he's probably in the Academy and I'm what? like, I'm trying to get to work. And he's like, uh, I'm like dispatch <laughs> that place. 
And he's like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So then he like gets to move in his cone, right? And he's waving me through. And I guess somebody probably assumed that he was an idiot. And this is somebody <laughs> been with the department forever. Um, and and so like he starts walking up, and I, my window's still down, and he like he's like, oh shit, I didn't know it was you. He's like, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> i'm trying and then of course because i went in at five so then the regular shift changes at seven right and they were all like it was like nobody nobody knew they were going to be coming to work Mm. (laughs) so the it's you know the government everybody knows what everybody's doing yep i don't miss it yeah i don't miss it either (laughs) uh do did you like the state or the not state but like local government or the federal government better there em (laughs) (laughs) again another conversation for another podcast (laughs) right well thank you for coming on because you know the stresses of the job and you left because of it so now you're studying how to keep these issues happening from others Yes. Or happening to others. So tell yeah, us so, more about you. So thanks for having me on, guys. It, it really means a lot to me. I, I'm really enjoying the fact that you guys seriously uh, put together this podcast. You know, I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, I do like to just kind of reiterate that I'm no doctor nor, nor a medical professional whatsoever. Um, I am a student of, of psychology and biology and neuroscience. I live in Charleston, South Carolina now. I lived in Virginia pretty much my whole life, but uh, and I dispatched for about six and a half years in two different agencies. Um, but yeah, so studying mental health, neuroscience, and the way that the the brain really really works is my my thing. Awesome. Um. So. I, I totally get it because I've been doing this a long time. And I think I was, I was lucky in the sense that my, my first marriage, which I think we talked about a little bit in the first episode case, but yep. um, that ended and my ex had PTSD issues. And, and so I learned a lot and I actually worked with a psychologist during that period and I learned so I started to learn about it and then when I so when I came into public safety I had a sort of a better understanding and I've just sort of always kept looking into it um you know 2020 was kind of a crazy hard year for everybody and that made me look at it even more and then it also the fact that now I have two kids because coming out of like babyhood is its own trauma. And I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of women that probably don't ever recover from that. So that's another reason that I'm big into this and and big into people, you know, taking charge of your own mental health because nobody's going to do it for you. Yes. I feel the same way too. I didn't really um think about mental health all through my years of dispatching until like the probably the last year actually um and I guess you just 
well, for myself, I just pushed everything down, down, down. And you just become numb to like life in general. Like, I feel like I wasn't even really living towards like the end. Um, and I was tired and, you know, just working night shift. I was exhausted. I started getting sick. And, but now that I've hung up the headset and I'm in a different profession that's still in the kind of the same lane, I'm really focused on myself and my mental health. I've started going to counseling, which is just awesome. I've, I'm really enjoying it and it's helping a lot. Um, so I'm trying to get those things that I've pushed down out I, or at least some, a little bit of closure at least. Cause I, some of those real, really tough calls never really got the debriefing that was needed or checked on, you know, it just, so you just have to move on. But, um, yeah. and with it, yeah. And with that said, Em, like, tell us a little bit, like, what you're studying and what are your plans after you graduate? Yeah, definitely. I, um, again, I'm, I study neuroscience, so I, I study the ins and outs of the brain and, and why we do things. Um, really, honestly, my end goal is to keep the conversation going. You know, it, it's, it's not, you know, we have a mental health crisis and everybody talks about that and that it's a crisis, but do they actually talk about the situation itself? Like keep the conversation going. So in the, in the long run, um, I actually do want to study more PTSD, post-traumatic stress and, and um, keep just, again, keep the, keep the conversation going. Um, like I said, I dispatched for six and a half years and they were some pretty hard years, hard. Like I was a changed person after those, those years. And yep. again, um, my, my goal is to work at the hospital in the research department um, to really study the the PTSD side of everything. Cool. And I can tell you, like, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't want I don't want to offend anybody, but, you know, I'm that kind of person who will just say shit, even though people don't want to hear it. But I noticed. Like your change, Emily, because I knew you from and I don't know if Casey did or not from when you were a baby dispatcher and then <laughs> came through the hell. And then, and I'm like, and when I left and then came back part-time, I didn't really totally leave, but it was like on maternity leave. And I'm like, man, you can just tell when people are starting to, it's starting to get under their skin, you know? Definitely. And yeah. Casey, you kind of, you kind of touched on this and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> um, Okay, so you touched on this and not getting the closure or even the follow up from, you know, different people asking if, you know, you're you're okay. It's kind of just assumed and and that that hardened me. I'll never forget I'll never forget coming home most nights and I did a mix of both, mostly nights, but and I'd have to like I'd have to watch every, everything that I was doing, every little sound that I heard. I had to, uh, you know, explore it and see like what was going on. And so like I was taking things from the job because, you know, when you're on that headset, you have to listen intently. <clears throat> and so it follows you home. And, and I, I agree, you know, it 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 was just because, you know, six and a half years, it's nothing compared to Casey. You're you're long or Anna, you know, doing doing your thing. But it, it felt like I was there for 30 because with all the mandatory overtime and just like you said, Anna, just taking one for the team and kind of going in and helping out when when needed, because why not? Yeah, right. And, 
when you feel, you know, you feel like there's a sense of loyalty to the people, your friends. I mean, even if they're not necessarily your friends, like that you hang out with outside of work, they're your comrades at work and you, you form this community. And so you feel a sense of loyalty to them, even if you're not loyal to the people that you work for, which I think most of us probably are a little bit just because like when you're in that public safety world, even the the people on the street, you know, law enforcement, fire rescue, like you feel a little responsible for them too. And then, so that just kind of makes you loyal, at least to the agency a little bit, you know, absolutely. even, even if you're not like approving of what the head shed and the powers that be are doing, you're still loyal to your people and you don't want to ever leave them hanging. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're going and you're helping out and then you're burning out. And what I have just really recently, probably within the last year or so, <clears throat> what what I noticed is that I really think that it's not that they don't care or they don't, it's not like there's necessarily an apathy towards us, even though like we, we perceive that, but I really think it's just a lack of education because absolutely, I was never taught the things that I have learned outside. And I remember even with my first husband, I was still going through that a little bit when I started working in dispatch. And I remember researching PTSD and like all the stuff that you see as like the symptoms and that stuff is so far down the road. When I like was meeting with the psychologist and he, he was starting to ask me questions like, well, have you noticed this? Or did you notice that? And like things that he had been doing. And I'm like, well, shit. I mean, a year ago we were trying to put a deck on the house and my dad's like, you know, you need to put the bolts you know, just like this, you know, like, like a five of cards, right? Just, and, and this was an intelligent man who had graduated from college. I mean, he was in military intelligence when he was in the army. He had, this was when he worked for the federal government and he was blankly staring at him. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And my brother actually ended up just going and doing it because it was like, so, and I'm like, you're, and I got to the point where I was like, you're just being a jackass. Like you're, or you're hanging around your buddies too much. I don't know, but you're being a jackass. You know better. Like you're smarter than this. Come to find out uh, his brain wasn't functioning properly. So, (laughs) but you know, that's never been taught to me in any dispatch class. I mean, what is it like? What in com basic, what do you get like an hour class on dispatcher stress or something? Yeah. I mean, or, I mean does anybody remember? Like I don't even thing. remember what the fuck we learned, to be honest. I don't, don't think we learned much of nothing. <laughs> I took a I took a dispatch judo class once and it's right, like double judo, to, yeah. Yeah, how well, to like combat stuff and like deal with deal with difficult callers that, you know, stress you out, but that right. was about it. I think I still have the certificate. <laughs> Ten years ago. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, and I've that's sat another thing. through. Go I've ahead. sat through plenty of uh, at conferences dealing with dispatcher stress. Blah blah blah. I've read some of the books that have been put out, and I'm just like, this is not day to day information. Like, this is mm-hmm. not helping us day to day, and it's not helping our families either. Right. Well, especially if you're not having any symptoms or think that you are having any symptoms yourself or around people. I mean, cause you know, we're pretty much all the same when we're there at work, everybody's at high stress levels. Everybody deals with it and pretty much the same way. I mean, it just doesn't really affect you anymore after like when I first started dispatching, I would live off of that adrenaline rush of like the really shitty calls and, you know, it's like, yes, we got it, you know, this and that. But then, like, after so long, it's like, shit, this this shit really fucking bothers me now. And that's the way it got for me towards probably the last two or three years, the last year being the worst. But I also had a lot of shit going on at home, too. Um, like, my dad was really sick um, with cancer and stuff and passed away. So, I mean, I was dealing with a lot of other things other than work, but it just got well, to be and- too much. The conversation needs to be talked about with that too. It's 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 exactly that. That's exactly it, Casey. You should not have been uh, put on the back burner, expected to do your job when you have such a awful thing happening at your own home. Like you know, how can you help others when you know others aren't like when you, you can't help yourself? So it's right. you know, so not to not to harp on that, but I I think that. Yeah. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't be like well I had this going on no you had this going on and nobody was there to hook you up yeah, yeah. sorry I mean, <laughs> that's my know <laughs> as essential workers I know it is you know you're supposed to be there and, and I totally got that and that's why I did feel so bad just like you know Anna says these folks depend on you to be there and you know you want to be, you don't want to leave anybody else hanging or make somebody else have to come in and in your place so i mean it's just a lot of shit that goes through your mind <laughs> yeah Definitely. and i it was funny i i told this to somebody at, at work on saturday actually but there was a a horse trainer guy that i listened to you um he has a podcast as well and and he has this theory with the horses um that's called the 13 rabbits theory and so like you know you're you know somebody will come up he does a lot of like comp like they're kind of like horse conferences, expos where, you know, people can come and watch demonstrations and hear lectures and things like that. He does a lot of that kind of stuff. And people will come up to him and say, well, I don't really understand. My horse isn't afraid of rabbits because like, you know, we go out on the trail and we, you know, two or three rabbits jump across our path and there's no problem. But, you know, we get to, you know, rabbit 13 and he flips out. Right. And the theory is like, it's not the 13th rabbit. It's that that horse is ramping up its nervous system with every rabbit and it's never coming back down. So then it just, you know, gets to a point where it explodes. And the same with people, you know, if you have all of this stress for your day to day, just your work. And then you're adding something like, you know, a family illness or a death or, you know, anything like that on top of it, relationship issues, you know, divorce, whatever, like that's just boom, like that's just another thing. And if we haven't taken time 
to deal with the day to day, it's almost too late when you get to that point or it's such a big job, you know? Right. Yeah, and that it's almost... that... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Em. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Case. I was, I was <laughs> going to say something. I was just going to say that it's almost like everyone, like management, that type thing or higher ups forget that we're human, you know, like, I know we have a job to do and, and we always did it, but at the same time, at the end of the day, we're human and, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad, I'm glad you spoke. Cause I was gonna, I was gonna say we are human and with hu humans, we have these chemical processes like going on within our bodies. And again, this is kind of, this is what I've been studying for the last four, four and a half, five years. And, uh, we have these chemical processes that aren't thought about, you know, you, you just do the things that you're doing throughout your day and you don't think about the inner workings of, of what's going on in your body. Um, it, it's very similar to, you know, that I really like that, that 13 rabbit theory. That's actually <laughs> yes. really cool. And Isn't I'm gonna, that good? I'm going to use that because yeah. it actually speaks to like hu humans cortisol levels. And, you know, mm -hmm. cortisol is the, the primary stress hormone in, in, in our bodies um it, it deals with everything that we we go through and if you have high cortisol levels you have high blood pressure you have fatigue and depression irritability so you have all these things that you don't even think about is you think you're just tired you just think mm -hmm. you you had a, a bad nap or you need you need you need something to eat. you need a nap <laughs> but you know it's it's yeah so people don't think like when you're in like whether you think it's high stress or not, your body is going to fight or flight and, and they're going to, it's going to do what it's going to do. So when you're dealing with all those issues, you got to, you got to check on yourself and your body and, you know, get some rest, get some, get some good sleep, right? Yeah. All those dispatchers. Right. And, <laughs> yes. you know, if you can't, sleep. yeah, if you can't shut your brain down, you know, you, you can't sleep. Um, yeah. You know, and then the cortisol just keeps bumping and there's no, um, there's no end to it. And, exactly. you know, that's why like in the 13 rabbits, like that and, and what you mentioned about fight or flight, that's the sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system, which we were probably all taught in biology class. Right. And horses their mammals what science has been showing recently is that you know pretty much mammals respond like mammals and we are a mammal right so we have a few maybe higher brain functions but for the most part we we all respond in the same way and there's a great book um called why zebras don't get ulcers it's a lot of information um it's not an easy read but they're like the theory there is that zebras they're doing their thing eating grass all day chilling whatever a lion comes out they freak out they run away they get away from the lion or their buddy gets dead from the lion whatever happens happens right and then they go back to their normal you know, they may have a period of mourning if somebody did die or whatever, because research is showing that that happens. But then they go back to 
eating grass and chilling out and being with their friends. And so they come back into the parasympathetic nervous system. But when you're in a position where you never know what's going to happen when that phone rings or that radio keys up, do you ever come back? I'd say no, in my opinion. I think dispatchers, <laughs> call takers, stay in that fight or flight mode the so entire shift. So, so and, and, you know, we work 12-hour shifts. So you are in that for 12 hours, which is already outside of your normal circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Right, um, Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So yes. you're already you're already jacking your body up. So just that alone, and then you start adding more rabbits on top of it. And again, yeah, that's, it's like a a recipe for disaster. It's, uh, and to just kind of lean into that circadian rhythm, I, I think I forgot to mention that cortisol is like your circadian rhythm. It's just like your sleep cycle. So if you do not get sleep, and Anna, you're talking about this, if you do not get sleep, you will continue to just produce this cortisol that continues to keep your stress levels high. And I was actually just reading this brilliant paper um, about cortisol and, and uh, in, in Holocaust um, survivors, actually. And they were talking about how, and again, speaking about a recipe for disaster, they were talking about how even 50 years after the Holocaust, these uh, folks were still experiencing PTSD or like stress situations. Some were still even cooking in their basements after the Holocaust, like still doing these things. And the, this, this doctor wanted to know why. And it's, it's literally just the trauma of it, re-experiencing that. They, they just feel like they're going to experience it every day. And so um, they did research and, and studied and, and figured out that when, if the hormone environment is perfect, at the time of a trauma, you will be more likely to develop PTSD. So there, I mean, and again, hormones and all these, this scientific talk, again, if anybody has questions, please use your resources, but it's, uh, it's that your body's working significant ways. It's like incredible. Yeah. And I think like, that's a, you know, the hormone environment is huge because when your your circadian rhythm is off when there's so many little things that can throw off your hormone levels i mean vitamin and mineral deficiencies which if you're not getting enough sunlight if you are getting too much light because you're working a 12 hour night shift and the freaking lights are on all night um, <laughs> boo right boo <laughs> It's too much light. Like those little things, they seem maybe stupid, but those little things mess up the vitamin and mineral balances in your body, which mess up the hormones. And then you get into this. And like my thing with, with that paper and people, Holocaust survivors, like I'm sure that they never really were able to get out of that sympathetic state. And I think most, especially most Americans today, live sort of in that state of 
sympathetic nervous system arousal. Cause like, you know, the, the thing is, you know, you're always in a hurry. You're always trying to get things done. This, this hustle, 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 you know, and, and there's not that time to let down. And I'm guessing, I don't, and I don't know, I I may have known this at some time, but I'm going to ask you, Emily, because you put the research out there. If this cortisol, is that regulated during REM sleep or does that matter? I'd have to, I'd have to look a little bit more into that. Um, That's a, that's a great question though. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, I mean, REM is important. Um, And you know, so if you're not able to get that because you can't shut your brain off, then it's this, you know, it's just the, the perfect shit storm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, and there's, there's a lot of, there's a, a lot of things that go into the production of cortisol as well. So I don't want everybody to just think you, you only produce it when you sleep. I mean, cortisol is literally being, pump through your body every day all all the time and it's it's our response it, it helps manage our response to stress so it's yeah. it's not just a nightly thing <laughs> right right yeah i know i mean it is um but what happens is when it's activated over and over again it it's sort of you kind of get to a level where you you're staying at that level and not ever going back to like normal. And then, you know, every little thing ramps it back up. So for me, I mean, what did you guys feel like would have, I've done some research on this, but I'm going to ask you guys just off the cuff. Like, what do you think would have, you know, on the floor day to day, what would make a difference? Hmm. Hmm. So on the floor day to day, honestly, you know, you, you know, people, people get their smoke breaks, you know, their 10 <laughs> minutes or, or what have you. So I, uh, every I'm not saying, hour, I'm not saying like smoke breaks, but I, I I'm saying like, <laughs> rooms i guess a stress room um to like just go and relax i'm not i know that sounds kind of corny um but on the day-to-day on the floor i think if if somebody has just handled a very stressful call i think they would need some place to go that is calming i guess you know it's it, again it sounds cheesy but people need actually that. like it's not and it's in from the agency you know that we worked at um we had that, like we got that. You weren't there um, anymore, but mm-hmm. we had that. And but it, the point of being able, like, to be able to actually go and utilize it, you know, I mean, sometimes it was you could do it when you work night shift if shit wasn't popping off. But like day shift folks, I mean, they're really. Can you really get up from your desk a day shift when the phones are blowing the fuck up? No, that you makes can't. that makes my heart happy that they they implemented um, something like but that. It, it was a very nice room, um, very nice setup. But even those really nice, expensive massage chairs that do the whole body—I mean, it was awesome. Um, but again, not everybody, unfortunately, is able to utilize that 
on shift. So, yeah. And I think too, you have the problem of peer pressure and then also mm. our, our perception of judgment. Um, when you would, if you wanted to go do that, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, that plays into it. I mean, that actually adds, that's another rabbit, right? Mm. Now we're adding more stress because I, I know I need to go take a break, but ugh, can right. I? What if I? something does pop off? I mean, cause you never know. <laughs> right. You know, um, and it's really interesting. Um, research has shown that our, that memories from shared experiences start to diminish within 24 to 48 hours because the memory proteins start to denature in our body. But, and, and this can be great for negative experiences and not so great for positive experiences, except that we tend to relive our negative experiences more often than our positive ones. So if you had, and I'm not even going to say a a tough call because I'm really, I don't think that I'm of the mind that the tough calls aren't, aren't the dispatcher killers. Um, It's the landscaping calls. Um, sometimes they turn into tough calls, but, but for the most part, you know, those stupid calls are the ones because that's like another rabbit, right? Like frustrating. You don't need to be on my phone. phone. Yeah. Why are you here? This is dumb. Get a life, move on. So now you've added another rabbit and I'm replaying that. And, and just remembering like the, ridiculousness of this human and somebody may say something or you know maybe something cool happens or you know you get like a baby born or you know something like that and then it's like oh yeah well that's normal that happens the lady calling about the landscaping is normal too but like (laughs) my brain is stuck in that reel so I think that that's really interesting. And so like some of the the research was um, just saying that you need to remember, like you, like the community needs to be very active in talking about the good things, the happy things that happen, you know, even if they're not necessarily related to work, like even if it's just like, oh, you know, so-and-so's kid got married or so-and-so had a kid or, you know. Casey found a new job. Woo. Whatever. Ooh. Like just <laughs> reliving, like talking about the positive things. Um, instead of dwelling on the dumb things. Yeah. Um, and and then I think educating, because mm-hmm. also with this with the nervous system regulation. That needs to be done pretty quickly after you've gotten, you know, after your 13th rabbit, right? 
you need to be back down to, you know, one, two, three level pretty quickly for your best psychological outcome. So, but nobody tells anybody that, you know, all these, you know, critical incident stress management teams or, you know, I mean, things, statewide teams that come in when you have, you know, deaths or something like that, that's all post-traumatic, right? That's all when we're talking about PTSD. Like, how can we avoid even getting to that point? And, I, I'm right? actually, that's, that's a, that's a great, that's a great segue into uh, what I, I'm actually writing a research paper right now about that and how, and the ways of, of prevention really. And, and prevention of PTSD and, and really, unfortunately, PTSD is going to happen. It's when you're exposed to a trauma and you real and you have it like almost like a reoccurrence and you think that it's going to happen again. You just, it's just flashbacks, you know, um, disassociation, you, you just feel it. So in, in my paper, I'm actually discussing ways to have the conversation again. It all goes back to talking about it. And mm-hmm. um, I, I read a couple articles about how, again, going back to because everybody talks about um, you know military PTSD, of course, and um, they actually have uh, simulators that put these military members in situations, and they have to um, deal with, like, figure out what's going on, and then talk about it afterwards. So it's actually not putting them in actual physical combat right away. And so then they'll go back and they'll talk to them and see what, what happened, like what their brain was doing when they were going through this like simulator. So I think I'm obviously on a dispatcher side, we can't necessarily do that. But again, but we like could, you were saying, right. <laughs> yeah. They could, that could be part of training simulations yeah yeah i mean we kind of do simulations but we don't do them like that we do them to test your skills not to test your your mental um when i when i was working for one agency not not the not the longest one i worked for but another agency i um they actually made us sit through dispatch calls Mm -hmm. uh, very very traumatic calls that these these dispatchers would take and again this is all for I had already previously, I had already done some nine one dispatching work prior to this, but this was all to, to get, to kind of weed out, I guess you could say. Um, but also to get people thinking like, this is what you're going to be dealing with. Can you handle it? Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's all, that's almost like a, that's close to, that's as close to a simulation as I've, I've received. Right. Um, because again, it, it kind of tests your boundaries. It tests what you can deal with. And if you can't handle that and you feel something about it, then maybe this isn't something that you can handle. And again, it's all about the conversation. Yeah. And if you can't um, have that group at your agency or whatnot, which I would love for folks to write in or let us know like what kind of stuff, debriefings, that kind of thing their agencies have. But like for teams that they put together, if you don't have folks on that team that people who they can trust, it's not going <laughs> to fucking work anyways. No. So, I mean, 
Well, and so that why... was always an issue for me. Like, I'm not talking to nobody on this shit because I don't trust that it's confidential, you know? Like, no. Well, and I don't want to be labeled as a crazy, like a true crazy person. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to anybody, but I mean, you know, who wants to be that employee that's like, oh my God, she can't handle shit, you know? And that's exactly how you would be made to feel. Um, yeah, that's so. that's not fair. I think that it's exactly... Again, this platform you both have created is incredible to have this discussion because it's, it really is. And like you were saying, people write in, call in and, and, or, you know, do what they need to do to ask you questions and give their perspectives because every agency is different. Yeah. And we would love to, hopefully somebody will. I mean, um, we've had a couple folks reach out and hopefully, I mean, I know, yeah, I, I told, I totally agree yes people need to reach out they need they need we need to have the conversation we need to educate the people that are in the comp center with you and i mean start with the supervisors but like everybody and then i think the same goes for families like they need to know what they need to look for and there's from working with people and horses and people a lot of times have very traumatic experiences with horses, um, unfortunately. But, you know, one of the things or a few of the things is like just mitigating that when it like right when it happens, like simple things like if somebody's having a panic attack over something, give them something to eat or something to drink, get them up, take them for a walk. You know, there are people who are really good at knowing what they need to do to regulate themselves and will do it. But there are people who don't have a clue because they've never been in this environment before. They've never been taught how to deal with these things before. Not only do they need help, but then even if you know what you should do, you also need the permission. You need that person, that supervisor, whatever to say, Hey, let's go for a walk. Yeah. You know, and not give you a chance to say, not don't say, do you want to go for a walk? No, let's go for a walk. I'm going to get you something to drink. You know, that's way more. And I've seen it. My husband, um as a firefighter um and has supervised quite a bit and i've seen him do it um i know it works like and it's really simple but just that little bit of come on we got to get out of here even if it's for 5 minutes and i realize that places are understaffed but We, we have to take care of ourselves because like Emily said in the beginning, if we can take care of ourselves, can't take care of anybody else. So yep. it's just sure. like when you're flying, you got to put your oxygen mask on first mm. and then do somebody else's, you know? Um, so ladies, we've been going for a little bit, not too long. So do you want to, do you want to throw out some shitty calls? And maybe talk about 
I mean, what, I've got what could what might have helped you, or <laughs> I mean, huge. maybe you need help right now. We can just air it out. Why well, should I need a lot of fucking help? But I mean, I know you do <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, and actually, I was just talking to my therapist um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, at my appointment about things that even though I've been out of dispatching now for a whole year, um, things, even though I'm in a way happier place, I'm doing really good for myself. Um, like things are really starting to come back up for me in certain calls. And we talked about them a little bit yesterday. One was um, a nurse calling in from a hospital where it was a homicide, like suicide homicide deal where the husband shot his wife and um, because she was ill and then he took his own life. And to, I don't know what it was about that nurse's voice. I mean, I guess because it was legit, she was scared for her fucking life. Um, that bothered me. And even though I handled it and it was done and I moved on, it's like now today talking about that and like just, I don't know what it was that made me even think about it. I, I mean, I don't know. But that's been sticking in my mind here lately. And then the horrible call of um, the dad going to find his, you know, ex-wife or girlfriend, whatever it was, his kid's mom and she's dead. The kids are dead in that house. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys know which call I'm talking about. Um, that was, even though I didn't actually take that call, I mean, but I was there working and I just can't imagine I don't know. It's just awful. And those were a couple of the the more serious ones. And then, of course, um, we had an officer that died um, in a boating accident. That was like in my younger time, like early times of dispatching. That um, I think that was the only time I actually got a debriefing. Um, and I was super new at dispatching then, so I really didn't quite get it. Um, and I felt like because I was on that – oh. I'm, you know, I'm cool. Like, I don't need this, you know, but now I'm like, yeah, bitch, you needed that. Like, and you <laughs> need it still now, like from that call. And, um, so those were the few that jumped out at me yesterday in my therapist appointment. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the voices and probably because that's what we know. I mean, I can, you know, firefighters, law enforcement officers, whatever, like I can hear them talk and I know mm -hmm. who they are, like not even, I've never oh, seen yeah. them before in my life. Um, yes. uh, voices. I mean, one, and this, boy, I don't want to make this sound like it was not an important call, but it, it wasn't something that was long in trauma or like weird. Like, so one night shift change, and you might have been working with me then, Casey. I don't remember. Um, and for, you know, whatever reason, a shift chains, the phones are always blowing up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But so I'm like, just <clears throat> logged into the phone. And I'm like, you know, 911, what's the address of the emergency? And this lady, clear as day, a little creepy. Is like, there's a body behind this church. And click hung up. <laughs> and I'm like, my first thought is, look, I am not in the mood for these mother trucking kids tonight. 
Okay. <laughs> um, and but the cell phone rebid like bam right there. And it was something in her voice. And when I called the number back, straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail. And I tried multiple times and I'm not usually like that. You know, you don't answer me on the first try. I don't care. But I was like, mm. so sent a deputy out there. Sure enough, she had committed suicide. Mm. Um, About that time, my partner is taking a call from somebody who wants a welfare check on their daughter. And I'm like, what's, you know, cause what's her cell phone number? And she writes the cell phone number down for me. And it's the still on my caller ID. Like that's how close together those calls have happened. Wow. And I'm like, and then of course she's freaking out. Cause she's like, Oh, I'm going to tell her. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and um it, but that and you know, just that that sound in her voice was like, mm, that's not, you know. Um so, goosebumps yeah, I mean, actually. It, it can be little things. Like, I mean, I want to say that that's little, but as far as in the you know, did you work that incident where the guy they went to serve a warrant and he'd barricade himself and then he set the house on fire. And did you work that? I think so. I think that does. That sounds familiar to me. Sound is that reason? You know, like that was long and drawn out. <laughs> yeah. I don't really, I'm like, I don't really have much, you know, like that doesn't stick with me really other than, you know, uh, there was a moment when maybe somebody was going to be trapped in the house with him, but like, you know, otherwise I was like, eh. and that went on for hours. Yeah. But that, you know, five it's weird how it does that to you. Yeah. Right. Well, and then agonal breathing to me, guys, that shit just, I fucking hear that shit all the time. It just, it, that creeps me out like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a natural thing. I, I mean, I heard my dad's when he was passing and I was fine with it at that moment. But now to like think about hearing that over and over so many times that shit just not good i don't know it just creeps me out yeah i seemingly answered a lot of those phone calls too i will never get that sound out of my head either Mm -mm. Um, and you know it's funny because you say and i say funny relative um you say that it's kind of silly where these voices are all that you think of like but that's all we hear as dispatchers, mm-hmm. it's literally the noises on the phone that that literally just you you have to listen to, and and every little one, no matter what is what it is on that line, you hear it, and it just sits with you, and it might resonate in one one area. It might, it, like you said, it might be like that barricade situation where you're like, I don't really remember, but I remember it, or obviously agonal breathing and all this other stuff. But when you, mm-hmm. that's all you have to go off of you know so yeah. that's that's um, a good thing about about being married to my husband because you know he just calls it guppy breathing <laughs> that's another thing like i mean it's so you know so we can laugh <laughs> about it you know right. okay. not cool but it is what it is you gotta do what you right. gotta do Oh, it's right. real. We, it's real life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. we talked about a little bit on our first episode how that's one of the ways dispatchers call takers cope with this 
anybody in public safety. Humor. I mean, it's just a dark humor, and it is what it is. We need no disrespect to the families, victims, whatever. It's just if you can't do that, then there'd be a lot of more fucked up people sooner (laughs) than years down the road. It would happen. Yeah, and you know, now I'm thinking about. I'm like, well, we're trying to like create our minds, trying to create, you know, something you know, a happy thing to put with that Mm -hmm. so that we can remember the funny things. See, now y'all think about guppies all the time. Now you said remember. That makes me think of that. Do you remember? (laughs) 21st night of September. (laughs) (laughs) Just like we're in the comm center, right, guys? Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing, you know, and it all falls back on that. Um, you know, we all deal with our traumas in, in certain ways. And like you said, dark humor. But, you know, it really is uh, a family in the comm mm-hmm. center. And dealing with it and you're like in the shit together for 12 hours at a time. And it's and we're, you know, talking about this now <clears throat> and uh, others need this. You know, others need this mm-hmm. conversation. I think I think it's incredible, and like, there's so much more to talk about. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, there's, so it's, but again, you know, it, it does. It's it's like a family in that calm center, and you're always there for them, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're there, and you end up knowing how each other's works, what makes someone tick, which you know, if they know that they're not going to be able to handle it, you jump in. It's like it just rolls. It's just awesome. Mm. Um, so yeah, you definitely get friendships and look like we haven't all worked together in how long and here we are. It's like, and this is the whole point of this podcast that when we put it together, it's like, this is one of the main things we want it to be an outlet for folks that, you know, just need to listen or I don't know, to interact with us. I mean, that's what we're really hoping for, but so far. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, <clears throat> there's so much like Emily said it's a family but the whole thing all of us are a community and you know we should have each other and you know talking about crappy calls the may day that i worked the night we were understaffed had major freaking storms and i can tell you is the only time in my career to date that i thought that i might actually have a panic attack and I had to go take a breath. You know how to do this. And then just roll with it, right? And the people who reached out to me were not in the comm center. I mean, the 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 four people that were in there, <laughs> <laughs> the four of us. Uh, We all got through it. And yes, it was family. And, you know, it was all like, you know, you rocked it. We, we all, we all got it done, whatever, whatever. But outside of those four people, the only other people that reached out to me was the firefighter who had command of the scene and another firefighter who was not even on scene, who was not even there, who just worked for the department. And they, that, we're still, like, one of them was a friend of mine from before. 
But the incident commander, I didn't know him from Adam before that <laughs> night. We are still friends. Um, you know, and it was just, we both had this moment of, oh shit, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, has just brought us together. And the fact that he, you know, reached out and, you know, nobody else did that. So I think that's huge. I think people need to know that yes, reaching out to each other is important. Um, and just treating each other like family, not like, you know, the asshole next door who blows their leaves into your yard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I also worked a, a May day when I was a baby dispatcher and I was, this was actually goodness. I couldn't remember if we were, and what building we're in, but I know it was a, it was a crazy time. And I think, I don't think, uh, I don't think I ever fully recovered as when I was a dispatcher, when I was a baby dispatcher, I don't think I ever fully recovered from that because it was very real. Um, and I think we had a little bit more than four people in the room when we were dealing with it, but, um, I know at the time, <laughs> It was so surreal and it was so real uh, at the, it was just, mm-hmm. it, it, it uh, we didn't get a lot of, uh, we certainly didn't get a debrief. Right. We cert- and, and, but like the people that did reach out, like you were saying, it, it was like, it was like, it was really nice. It was really nice to feel like somebody actually cared for those right. very few who did reach out. Right. And that somebody had the same feeling, yeah. you know, the same, oh shit moment or understood that you had that because they've had it before or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But yeah. And it's weird how it's not real, but it is real. And the, you know, you're just crazy. Um, and I think people also don't, sometimes people on the street, people that don't sit in dispatch, don't feel like we care that much or mm. that it, you know, um, and so that's part of it. Um, but yeah, just that active hey can you believe that (laughs) you know yeah oh my god um you know and we were you know the firefighter lived it you know he's still a firefighter and everything ended up working out even though it was really sketchy um when it was going down so um yeah and i just i feel like a lot of times those balls get dropped and and then they definitely get dropped in the day today with. You know, yeah. I going back to what you were saying and asking about like on the floor, what could be needed. I definitely, and again, education for absolute certainty education, but I think, and again, 
we were kind of circling back to everything we were talking about, but on the floor, I think we need more um, dispatchers trained to help other dispatchers yes. in times of crisis. I think that would absolutely be, and I'm not talking critical incident stress management for those who right. know about that. I'm right. not, Let's I'm not just water. talking. Get some water. <laughs> right. I'm talking about real life, non like this because this is life this isn't necessarily dispatching like we're talking about people who are going so just kind of like a personal standpoint before i had an animal because i don't have children but before i had an animal animal calls did not bother me i took them and i was fine ever since having a dog and this is kind of bizarre but i care so much about these animal calls like i change and that's a that's a life thing it's not dispatching it's a life thing and same thing for those who have babies like it's it's if you take those phone calls you need somebody to walk you through what's going on because you can't process what's happening i think Mm -hmm. our family members around us in the dispatch center need to be trained to understand what other people like when people are experiencing trauma and when you know, this, when you need to talk about it, because again, we're not talking necessarily dispatching, you know, it's, it's, we're talking real life stuff here. This is a conversation that needs to continue. And I think having people trained on the floor to deal with that would be beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think going back while you're saying that, I was thinking going back to like the May day or those, or the critical events like that, like, I don't know about, about you guys, but if I hear my husband will listen to firefighter podcasts all day long or radio traffic, he'll just pull up some random Detroit in the middle of the night and just sit there. He'll be listening to it. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Anyway. <laughs> um, But man, or like sometimes he'll pull up like maydays from other agencies or whatever and just to hear that and like hear that sound in that dispatcher's voice, I'm like, boom, right back there. Like mm-hmm. I know girl, or and I shouldn't say girl because there are men out there, but yes. you know, like I know, like, and, but is anybody with sitting there with you going? And of course, you know, sometimes it happens and there's only four people in the room and you're, fucked in you by yourself but, <laughs> um but at least afterwards you know i had great support you know i had yeah. three other people who were like holy shit that just happened to us um, yeah so um i think it is critical like just almost i don't want to dumbing it down i mean and, and that's maybe not the right phrase but making it making it part of the scene, part of the comm center, not just oh, critical incident stress management. Please reach out. An afterthought. Me. Yeah, an afterthought. Right. It's it's <clears throat> it's definitely and you know, I say um cheesy, I say these words, but I say that because we we are who we are. We're dispatchers. You know, we, we have dark humor. We we think we think it's silly, but it's not. It's not. It's just, it's, it's a legit real situation that's happening within our lives. And, you know, Casey, I'm, I'm 
so happy that you figured out, you know, to, to, to get out because I, it took me a while and then I, it was I've a been, hard decision. I've, well, it's, I mean, I, I've, I've been out of the game for since 2018. So, and for you to say, when you were saying how things are coming back up, it took a while for me too. And obviously I didn't, I don't have nearly as many years as you do, but it, it took a while for me as well, but yeah. it gets, it, you know, when, when you talk about it, you continue to have the conversation, it gets better. It does. And my mom, she told me for years before, she's like, that job's too much for you. You need to find something else. But that was all I knew, you know, right. 15, 16 years, you know, no, like I'm too old to be finding something else. Like I'm, I'm not going to start over, but then what, for whatever reason, you know, I decided to roll with it and here I am. I'm happy as damn pig and shit. And I am happy that you found a therapist that you could talk to work with because yes. that's a hard thing. And I have a, I have a friend and we, maybe we can get her on one time. She is actually a doctor. <clears throat> um, PhD doctor in psychology and um, does work with public safety people. She and I are kindred spirits for a reason. But, you know, I've heard stories of people going in and talking to the therapist or like meeting a new therapist and telling them stuff. And then the therapist is like crying. And they're like, oh, this is the worst shit I've heard. Well, well, that doesn't help me. Right. <laughs> like, okay, moving on. And like you said, with, you know, people on these teams, like, is it somebody you can trust, you know, people within your department, do you really want to trust them if you don't know them? Right. Um, or maybe, you know, them too well. I was uh, just thinking that. And then, but if you get like, it, like say in these bigger incidents, you get a state team that comes in. Well, do you want to trust them? Cause you definitely don't know them. So finding that right balance of who you can talk to and not feel like you're being judged or there's peer pressure to do this, that, or the other thing. And whether or not, you know, people on these teams or supervisors in the commissary, they can always say, Oh, you can get up anytime you want, or you can do, or you come on now. Cue, cue the, cue the face. <laughs> right. Cue the face. Just eye roll emoji all yeah. day you know, I mean, and that's, that's another thing. I think enough with, uh, like trying to make people happy in the, in the dispatch center with these little pizza parties or, uh, like these coffees and all this stuff. How about we take that money and we put it towards an actual therapist for the center, you know, put it, oh, put man. it towards, put it towards some good use. And I know like therapy is not for anybody. And I've learned quite, quite a lot that you can't, force anyone into therapy they actually have to physically go themselves and even if it's just to sit there you can't force anyone however yeah. i think if the option is there it should oh, it yeah. should stay it should it should be um at least have the option is what i'm going to say is, right. is have that opportunity to talk and have that safe space because the trust and seeing somebody on a daily basis or even somebody you know maybe a little too well you may not feel comfortable to talk about your issues. Right. So um, I, 
I really, again, in case I think that's fantastic that you seriously found somebody that you can actually talk to. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so hard for somebody to understand what, right. what you've been, what anybody's been through when it comes to dispatchers. Well, and I wasn't sure. I was like, this is going to be a waste of my time. And like, you know, cause I can sit and talk to my mom about shit all the time. And of course that's one person that I trust forwards, backwards, upside down, like, but it's like she she didn't quite get it and I didn't want to like stress her out either because she's too close to me to you know what I mean and she knows all the right things to say because she's mom right? right and this lady that I go to oh my god she's so fucking hardcore like she will tell me like look basically look bitch no you need to this this and that and like I'm like whoa okay but it's shit that I already knew or know Right. But to hear somebody else that doesn't know me from Adam, I'm like, whoa, okay. Right. So there's a couple of things I've taken out of this that's really and wouldn't good. it be cool? Like I remember, you know, when I was <clears throat> dealing with my ex-husband, I remember, you know, the psychologist telling me stuff and I'm like, holy shit, I didn't know. Um, and then um a, a so a family friend, um, he had um bad PTSD. And it was really interesting though so segue when my, um, my ex-husband, when I, when we had gone to visit my parents, um, and they, my dad was helping to coach a football team, at the high school. And my ex had played football, was usually very into football and, and, um, a couple of the coaches knew him and, and everything. And we, we went over there and one of the guys was a, um, he's retired, but he's actually still active reserves. And this was early 2000s. So Middle East time. And, um, he came up to my dad after we left, he came up to my dad and he told my dad that he's got PTSD. I think he actually said some old timey word, you know, shell shocked or something like that. But, um, but, um, he told him that and my dad was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And, um, so like, that was when we, cause we knew something was off, which didn't know what. And, um, and my dad, you know, I mean, I think my dad, my dad, I, I was lucky to have the parents I have. My dad was a pilot. He came, you know, he did have friends um, that he was in the first Gulf War. He had friends that were POWs in the first Gulf War. But I think his community and the squadron and, and that being a pilot, such a tight knit group. And, you know, I think that just helps, you know, like that just kind of. And so growing up in that environment really helped me. But I didn't, we didn't, so we didn't know all those things. Like we didn't know. And my husband went to a conference a couple years ago and a guy um, who was a firefighter spoke and he had, he had had tons of trauma over his career. I mean, like he had a good friend who died um, in a May day in a fire that he was in. Then he himself <laughs> was caught in a May day situation almost died but they got him out like it was a this guy i mean you're all like oh my god his wife was a nurse and so she like picked up on what was happening and was like huh she's like i need to go to work to pick up something and what she actually did was took his ass to the psych ward and had him eco'd but <laughs> but later like several years later you know he's still on the job there's other things happening and they were supposed to be going on vacation somewhere. And, and he was like, yeah, I'm just sitting there driving. 
he's like, I hadn't even really had any negative thoughts. Like to me, I didn't even notice anything, but he said something weird to his wife. Like, I think maybe they were going to Nashville and he was like, oh, I'd really like to see Elvis's basement or some crazy shit like that. Or like, you know, see him playing a guitar with so-and-so, some other dead guy. And the wife's like, oh, back to the psych ward you go, buddy. And like took him back. (laughs) And, and like, that's, he's like, that's essentially what saved my life both times. Like, but most of our families don't know that. And like, if, if you're not, if your family isn't in it, you don't want to stress them out. So how do you educate them to know these are the things you need to look for? We should do that. We should do that. It's it's a family. We should do that. Yeah, absolutely. I know when my dad growing <laughs> up, and, it, and maybe the military has changed a lot since then, but I mean, back then, gosh, I mean, the wives were always, I say wives because it was mostly men back then. The family support groups were there um, and they were active. And that's just not something that you see today and not in public safety as much as I think in the military and, and probably in different aspects of the military, it's different, but yeah, the, the military still has stuff like that. They definitely have options. Yeah. So we have like what's called ombudsman for the coast guard and the right. wives or the, the husbands even come in and they talk and help and, and they do mm-hmm. everything. And, and it's, it's nice, but you're right. It, there's really, nothing for public safety nothing that is nothing that's uh i guess uh well known um of course there's there are for the people in the like for the public there's therapy and there's like discussions (laughs) and like stuff like that but in like actual public safety and it's it's like taboo what's what is this what is help what is help i don't need help yeah yeah i've got this right and sometimes you do have it's like it's like momming Hmm. and or even you know having your little dog like sometimes i can do this shit on my own i can take maxwell out five times a day to pee but i don't want to have to (laughs) yeah right amen amen you know if you if you have other people in your family then you're like it's nice to have help. Doesn't mean I Definitely. need it. But it's nice to have it. Right. I also think, and again, this can be another discussion for another podcast, but, you know, burn, burnout um, and and talking about the warning signs. Again, kind of like what you were uh, talking about with your friend whose wife was like, we're going. Like finding the triggers, even within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Be like, whoa, let's take a step back and see what's going on with me to really understand what's happening. It takes a lot to do that. I mean, it takes a lot for somebody to actually find that kind of fault within themselves because mm-hmm. they really don't want to. It, it makes them psychologically, it makes them feel weaker, but they're not. That's actually a, very, a strength. It's, it's, it's an incredible yeah. strength to find that. It is. And Indeed. I think it's because people were not taught like, I mean, we're taught in basic biology class, how our bodies work and da, 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 da. But if we were taught, you know, how the, the hormones, the stress responses, how all of that was nature, it happens. It's natural. We can't control it. And then 
you know, so noticing that it's happening is actually an awareness, is a self-awareness. And that is a skill. And that does make you stronger. And probably 2020 was when I was kind of, I started working more hours again because my youngest was two and I did, I, I, whoa, I had to step way back because I knew from just the climate in there and the attitudes. And I'm like, Ooh, this, I'm taking this home with me. And I'm like, on the Facebook, I'm wanting to like be in Facebook arguments with people about, and I'm like, no, I can't. Like, I don't, yep. I don't want that to be part of my life, you know? Um, so yeah, but you know, I have done a lot of research on this. I research it for my horse business as well. It's something that I've learned, but it's not something that's taught to us. Definitely not. <clears throat> that We've decided that we need to educate people. Yes. Yes. Indeed. So we can that- definitely have another podcast or two or whatever. Yep. Well, this we'll definitely fun. have Emily. Um, back on again um, yeah. sadly, oh, thank this you episode, I, I appreciate that sadly this episode though is has come to an end so i do have a couple like two shout outs uh this time uh one is to my mom and i know that's silly but she has just she's been a great supporter so far and she's always asking when's it when's it coming out when's the next episode and she's so proud of us for doing this um and so i want to give a shout out to her and hugs and kisses mom I want to give a shout out to Brie for letting us have Emily. Oh, yes. It's like an hour yes. and a half now. Yes. So, yeah. And Maxwell, too. Oh, yes, thanks, Maxwell. Yeah. And um, <laughs> my nephew, Alex, who listens to us from Hawaii. So, oh, aloha, nice. Sabrina. Um, aloha. Yes. Yeah. So, we want everyone to tune in next Thursday for, of course, another amazing episode. Um, we're going to touch back on the different types of comm centers and talk a little bit more into the mental health. We will definitely talk with Emily again to have her back on because this is something that we could sit and talk about all day and night. And we want to make sure that the listeners can continue to listen, share, follow on all the uh, platforms and tell everyone about us. And don't forget to write into us at podcast911delta at yahoo.com. And I want to thank all of our first responders. You guys rock. Emily, thank you again so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It, it means a lot. And I love this platform to be able to talk about this. And like you said, there's so much more to talk about. This really is 90% of dispatching. Uh, it's Definitely. just dealing with stress and mental health and it needs to be talked about. So thank you guys Absolutely. again. Absolutely. And until next time, guys. All right. Bye. Who would have ever thought it would come to this? <laughs>